Hello, everyone, and welcome back to uh, another episode of the podcast. My name is April Schoen, and I'm sitting here today with John Curry. Hello, April. Hello, everyone. And I am excited about today's episode because today I'm going to be interviewing John on his journey throughout working with clients and helping them when it comes to their finances and their money for almost 50 years. I'm glad you're excited. I'm a little nervous since you're doing the questioning. <laughs> I know. I get to be on this side of the table. It's kind of fun. So, John, let's just dive right in and let's get started. And let's start with um, if you could just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and in your journey as a financial advisor for, for almost 50 years now. I just had a funny thought pop in my head. It's totally out of nowhere. When I moved here, in 1974, I got out of the Air Force. I came here and I'd planned to go to law school, planned to go to FSU, then go to law school. And because I, I saw myself as being a trial attorney. And over the years, the things that I really wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be a school teacher mm-hmm. because of my 10th grade biology teacher, Mrs. Gavin. Then I wanted to be a Baptist minister because of our pastor. And then I started visiting, believe it or not, trials. When I was in the Air Force, I'd go to, if there was some big you know, criminal case or something, I would go sit and watch when I was allowed in the courtroom on base. I don't know. I just had this vision that I was going to be the next F. Lee. <laughs> <clears throat> so I come to Tallahassee and I go to TCC. And Mrs. Blee, the guidance counselor slash vocational counselor, she says, look, you're a veteran. Uh, let's do these battery tests and see what you're uh, best suited to do. So based on what I told her about what I wanted to do, back in those days, 1974, you didn't go to your computer. Right. You filled them out and you mailed them off and they sent it back. So she sat me down and she said, John, you really should consider sales. Specifically, you should consider getting in the insurance business, hmm. which blew my mind. I'm like, I don't want to do insurance. Be a salesman. And she said, everybody's a salesperson, period. No matter what you do, you're having to sell your ideas. That's a good point. So that's where it all began. And I bumped into a friend one day that I had not seen since high school. And we met, uh, had breakfast one day, and I bought a life insurance policy. So back in the early days, April, September 1975, it was life insurance. And I got frustrated just with selling a product, and I wanted to be part of what was called the financial planning movement at the time. So I started reading and studying and getting the professional designations that I have, chartered life underwriter, chartered financial consultant. A master of science and financial services over the years. And that began the journey. And then I would have clients that I'd be working with that would ask me questions that I didn't know the answer. Uh, one, our friend Charlie, who's 96 now, I think it is. He said, hey, I need you to help me with something. I'd never done that. So he challenged me. And you know, one person asked a question or another. And next thing you know, I have a lot of information that I would not have had had I not uh, taken on those projects, challenges. And that's why I tell people, if you got something on your mind, let us know. We probably have dealt with it dozens, if not hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And if not, we'll learn, we'll help you, and then that information would be in our heads and we can help other people also. But that's really the very, very beginning of what happened. And um, I love what I do. I mm-hmm. uh, hope I do it right to the day I die mm-hmm. in some form whether it be seeing clients, doing what we're doing with podcasts, uh, our webinars, our live events. I just, I love people and I love uh, what we do. That's great. I, you know, I was just thinking that uh, I usually 
you know, have a little fun. And we talk about how in the last 49, 50 years, there's a lot that has changed, but there's a lot that's also been the same from financial services or helping clients. Some of those guiding principles, I think will, will always, will never change. Let me tell you what has, what will never, has not changed and will never change in my opinion. That is all of us as people, we want a certain amount of security. We want to make it, we want to go earn a good living. We want to take care of our families, raise our children, educate our children, have some money for vacations, have some money for fun times, but also have a dream and a hope that someday we can slow down and do what we want to do, this thing called retirement. I think retirement is a terrible word. There should be some other thing for it. And I think what we should do is reverse all that nonsense. And you work for about nine months out of the year. And then when your kids are out of school for three months, you're in retirement. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if we could make it work that way. And some mm-hmm. people do. I know people have done that, that when their kids are out of school, they shut down. Right. But I, I, I think, I don't think I know for a fact, some things you think, some things you know, nothing's changed over the 50 years when it comes down to what people really want. That's right. I love that you just mentioned that. So when so thinking back throughout your career, what have you learned about understanding clients' unique needs and goals when providing financial advice and guidance? That's a good question. What I have learned, and I'm still having to remind myself of, is people think they know what they want, but rarely do they have clarity on what they need to get them what they want. So let me say that another way. They think they know what they want, but then when you start asking questions, they always tell us what they don't want. And, and I'm strong enough personality, so that's nice, but I haven't heard you say anything yet about what you really want. It's all about what you don't want. You can't get clarity, and you can't get what you want until you know specifically and clearly what you want. Then it will come to you. It's like goal setting. Once you're clear on what you want, and if you really mean it and you got a passion for it, most of the time you're going to find it. So the number one thing I would say is rarely, rarely is the customer or the client right. We have a preset idea. I've heard something from a friend. I'm going to rush in and buy this mutual fund or buy this stock and all of my problems are solved. It's not true. Planning process should come first. So what I believe is that everyone, I don't care if you make $10,000 a year or $10,000 a month, or 10,000 a day. In order to be successful, you have to have a game plan. What you're trying to accomplish, some deadlines, and then some parameters about what you will do or not do. And then you follow that plan. Absolutely. And um, I think kind of hit on some key points there too, about just how everyone's situation <coughs> is unique and different, right? So that's part of the process is giving them clarity. And it's not a one size fits all. It has to be to their specific goals, their specific concerns, right? Absolutely. And I'll tell you what separates you and me from our competitors right now. We listen. Sometimes we'll have a meeting and nothing's discussed regarding products. Mm-hmm. So now let's have a conversation. My favorite words are, let's have a conversation. And we will determine together if we even want to have a second conversation. We may not. And so, okay. But you sit down and you talk and allow us to pull out of you what it is you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I know you've seen this in our 10 years of working together, somebody would come in, I want X, Y, and Z product. It's okay, great. Why? Well, because my brother has that. Well, you're not your brother. And then you start asking more questions and looking, that'd be the worst thing in the world. Now, we'd get paid 
a commission or a fee to do that, but they'd be unhappy later. Now we've got an unhappy client. Right. So you got to have the, the courage to stand up and say, we don't agree with that and provide that leadership, that guidance and direction. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, right now, I think a lot of people feel that we're in some tough economic times. You know, um, you know, we're sitting here in 2023, but 2022 was a, a tough year. And there's definitely been a lot of volatility this year and some uncertainty. So obviously being in business as long as you have and been helping clients as long as you have, this isn't, you know, your first rodeo of seeing some of these tough economic times. No, I've been bucked off a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you helped people in the past get through that? And then how does that also apply to today? Well, this may sound cocky, but I think the number one thing, especially in my case, in our case of working together for so long, we bring a certain level of confidence to the table because it's not the first time we've seen it. Okay. Been there, done that. There's, there's not much you can throw at me I haven't seen. I saw tax rates at 70%, 50%. I've seen uh, inflation at uh, 16%. Money market funds paying 21%. My own personal mortgage rate was 13%. And then when it got down to 10, I refinanced, 8, I refinanced, 6, I refinanced. And I see people I have a, a friend, a neighbor down at Lake Talquin. He's worried about, can he afford to build a house on the Lottie Ball? Interest rates. So I said, look, if interest rates are 10%, it doesn't matter. Get your house going. When the rates come down, and they will, then refinance. Don't allow that negative thing to keep you from having your dream. Yeah, there's usually a solution to every problem. I'll even say there's always a solution to the problem. You may not like the solution. Mm-hmm. But I think number one is confidence because we've been there. I think number two is our willingness to be patient and help people understand that, hey, look, this too shall pass. Okay, you'll get through this. But it comes back to some principles you said earlier. If you spend all of your money and you've got no run your day fund, you got no backup reserves, you could be in trouble. So the first thing I would say is you've got to form the habit of saving money and not spending everything. And it doesn't have to be invested in super aggressive stuff. You know, I've got quite a bit of cash just sitting in savings account. Everybody would say, well, that's stupid. Well, maybe it's stupid, but you know what? If I've got six months of income sitting right there and get my hands on them, checking and savings, how much more power does that give me and not worry about the markets? That's right. I got one investment account. It's gone down again. It was up, down like a yo-yo. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it because I have backup money. Yep, you have staying power. Correct. So when thinking about clients working with a, a financial advisor, how do you feel like a financial advisor helps clients with clarity and confidence when it comes to helping them make decisions around their money? Well, my smart aleck comment first is going to be not all advisors do. Right. Because some advisors just focus on how quick can I make a sale of some product, their favorite product, whether it be life insurance, term insurance, whole life, universal life, variable life. They're so enamored over a product or this particular ETF or this annuity, this thing. Now, how about just having a conversation and say, talk to me. What is it you want? You know, what are your fears? What do you love? What do you want to do? And I think that's where you start. I, I, I consider myself to be a coach. And more coaching than telling, uh, ask a lot of questions. You know, I've had people say to me, wow, you, you've asked a hundred questions. Well, maybe, I don't know what it is. I, I just 
I don't, most time I have a blank sheet of paper like I have right now in front of me. And we just talk. And you do the same thing, April. It's the same way with you. Just, but, okay, this is going to sound very self-centered. But when you're to the point where we are, where you don't have to make a quote sale, you have the peace of mind of not being on all the time. You just have a conversation and wherever it goes, it goes. Yeah. How many times do we hear someone say, wow, that's a good question. I've never thought about that. Or no one's ever asked me that before. You know, we were talking about clarity earlier, but I think clarity is so important. And um, how can you make a financial decision if you don't have clarity? Correct. And I think where we have an edge over most people out there who do what we do is we have a process that has mm-hmm. been proven. Okay? It is time-tested, proven, because it's based on strong fundamentals. It's based on sound economic principles instead of, well, what's the flavor of the month this month? Yeah. I was talking with someone recently, and uh, she called in. She wants some help. And uh, she was telling me a little bit about her experience so far. And she basically met with an advisor. And he sold her a product. He sold her some type of life insurance. She's not even sure she needs it. Then she talked to somebody else. They sold her an annuity. She doesn't even know how it works. And I said, whoa, 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 we got to stop. You got to stop going out and just getting this specific product. Like, we don't even know how this fits in with the big picture. Right. We got to do the plan first. So we know what are your goals? What are your concerns? Where are you trying to get to in the future? Because if we know what you want in the future and we know where you are today, we can see are those two things in alignment or some cha- th- some changes needed. And that lets us know what do you need to fill in those gaps. But you can't do it first. You can't get the product first. got to have the plan. Back in the 80s, I had a fellow Rotarian. He's in a different club. He came in to meet with me. We had a working lunch at the office. He came in, and he was adamant about purchasing a particular product. I'll, I'll leave it there. It was a universal life product. Uh, so I don't agree with you that we should use that product. He said, I'm the customer. Give me what I want. Mm-hmm. I said, hang on. So I got an application out, wrote it all up. He wrote a check. And I said, are you happy? He said, I am. I said, I'm happy. I'm getting paid a commission. But you're not going to be happy. This product will not work for you. But as long as we have no understanding, I, I know you. I know you well. I've known you for years. And exactly 13 months, because he got his anniversary statement first year, came in to see me the next month. He said, I made a mistake. This is a terrible product for me. I said, I told you up front. We had that conversation. What do you want to do? He said, I want to get rid of it and get something else. I said, you're starting over. You're going to lose every dollar you put in. There's, there's nothing coming back to you. He said, I know that. I'm a business person. I, I made a bad decision. I can accept that and move on. That taught me a valuable lesson in that. And that was 1983. My son wasn't born yet. So that had to be first six months of that year. So I remember thinking, okay, I've got to have the courage to look someone in the eye and say, I do not agree with you. Mm-hmm. Now, I couldn't stop him from wasting $4,000, but we redid it and he was happy. And uh, the day that he died, uh, that policy was enforced. And a couple of weeks later, I was able to take his widow a uh, sizable chunk of money. But I've always remembered that. And, and I got dozens and dozens of stories like that I could share. Just, just it's part of what you build. Mm-hmm. So that's my legacy. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people, sadly, because someone died or became disabled, I brought checks when everybody else was coming to get money. That's the financial side of what we do, whether it be the insurance, investments, or annuities. We help people build up money. Okay. Quite the legacy you built, that's for sure. So I think when you, that story you were just hearing is a good segue to our next question. 
because uh, I know we see this a lot. So a lot of people kind of struggle with like, how do they balance what they want to do now? I kind of think of those like short-term needs um, with long-term goals, right? So sometimes it could be, you know, I want to go on that vacation. I need that car, something that's kind of more pressing with also these longer term goals. So maybe someone wants to retire one day. Maybe they want to um, send their kid to college and pay for the whole kit and caboodle. Maybe, you know, they want to buy that dream home someday, that vacation home. What are some strategies that you've used to help clients kind of find balance between like short term and long term goals? I'm reminded of something a an industry legend named John Savage said to me one time. I had the it was really unusual. We were both waiting. We got to a, a particular breakout session early. We were sitting there, and there was one little table, and we got to it about the same time. Two chairs. We sat down. We had lunch together, and he started questioning me about my career. And I'd only been in the business just a few years, maybe five years. And he said, "Let's talk about your future." Tell me about old John. I see young John. Tell me about old John. <laughs> what? And he started challenging my thinking from the standpoint, okay, you're today, you think you're Superwoman. I think I'm Superman, all this stuff when we're young. Yeah. Right. We're going to live forever. We'll live forever. But as you and I both know, you know, that doesn't happen. Right. And what he shared with me has stuck. And this was probably, well, it wasn't probably, it was 1981 because I was in New York City uh, and our meeting was at Radio City Music Hall. But what struck me was you can learn from other people. And what I learned from him that started the foundation that later in 1983, I focused on retirement planning almost exclusively because the beginning of this conversation. And he said, everyone should have three types of money. And he drew circles. One is short term that you're put and take. One should be long term for retirement that you don't touch at all. And then one in the middle that's for your investments. And I remember that. And then some people have adopted that and called it the bucket concept. But call it whatever you want. The bucket, the funnel, it doesn't matter. Call it the sock drawer. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but you got to have some money that you know is going to go up and down. Car breaks down. You got to have tires, whatever. And then some money you say, there's no way I'm touching that money. That is for my future. But I think that if we don't do it that way, we're too tempted to raid the cookie jar. <laughs> That's right. So you got to have money that you say, okay, this is to be spent. If I need to spend it, great. And I like the concept that whatever's in my wallet is mine to spend mm-hmm. every dollar because I have money set aside in those other categories, retirement money, investment money, and then secure money. But that, that's what I think. And then, you, and then our planning process, we do that. You know, we tell people all the time, the number one thing you should be doing is saving as much as possible. The rate of savings is more important than the rate of return mm-hmm. on your savings. That's right. But most people get caught up in this. Well, I've got to have 15, 20% rate of return to reach my goals. You're not going to make it if you base everything on that. No, it's not how the real world works. We're good, but we're not that good. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I know. I think we go back and talk about with clients all the time about having short-term money, mid-term, long-term money, and like really thinking in these, having these different buckets and how it could help them. Also, when you do have a plan, it kind of frees you up to be able to do other things. Oh, absolutely. So for me personally, if I'm doing all the things, imagine I have a checklist of 10 things that I need to do financially to make sure that I'm on track. I'm, you know, I'm doing all the things I need to do and I'm just checking them off, checking them off. Right. So if I have my plan in place and I'm doing all those things, 
I'm saving the amount of money that I need to. I've got money in savings for my emergency fund or putting money away for retirement or kids college or whatever it is. Doesn't that free me up to spend the rest of it? Absolutely. Without guilt. Yep. Without guilt or anxiety. Yeah. I, I look back to the investment account that you helped me set up. Uh, I, I lovingly call April the investment guru. <laughs> I guess she loves doing that. But, you know, I don't like the fact that it's up and down like a yo-yo. Sure. But that particular account is not something I need today. So I don't have to worry about that. If I need that money, then I should not be taking risk with the money. Sure. You know, the, I don't play poker and I don't uh, gamble like in Vegas. But I tell people, don't ever gamble with the grocery money right. or the rent money. Don't do that. You know, other money, extra money, go play with it. Uh-huh. Go blow it. I've had clients tell me too, hey, April, this is gonna, I'm going to invest this part over here. It's going to be my play money. And then I want you to help manage my real money. Right. So it's good for us to have some distinction between that. Right? Absolutely. I like to call it the secure money. Mm-hmm. This is my secure money. Keep your hands off of it. <laughs> yeah. it all. yeah you, yes, I could get a better return. But you know what? I'm not worried about ready return right. on this one. This is my money that I know I can go get it right now today. And this over here is long term. So I'm okay with it. And I say long term. Heck, I'm 70 years old. I'll be 71 in December. You know, uh, who knows how long I'm going to live? You know, you, you, you don't know. You know, I like, might live to be 100 years old. I might live two years. I might live two days. Who knows? I've had open heart surgery back in 2008. Folks, I'm looking at a heart-shaped pillow that's on a pedestal here. <laughs> you walk in my office, you'll see it or our conference room. I keep that as a reminder that any of us could drop dead of a heart attack any moment. But also the bigger reason is for me to have a heart big enough to challenge people when I know that we can help them. Um, great segue, John, <coughs> about to the next question is... That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> walk us through a client's story or journey and how it was transformed or helped through your guidance. And what do you think are some of the, the differences that like advisors can help make for our clients' life and, and uh, their choices? I have two. Two ends of the spectrum. One was regarding a very good friend and a client who was dying. And another regarding a good friend who wanted to retire, but he didn't think he could. So I'll use the first one. Uh, my friend had cancer. Knew he was dying, several years older than me. Again, back in the 80s, mid-80s. I get a call from his wife saying, will you please come to our house and have lunch with us? Our daughter's going to be here, our pastor and you. And they both have passed away, so I'll use their first names now. But Lonnie looked me right in the eye over lunch, and he said, look, we know that I'm dying, and I'll be dead within a few days. I need to know that Barbara is secure. I said, Lonnie, I can look you in the eye and tell you that she will be financially independent. She's not going to be wealthy. And I looked at the daughter. I said, but she doesn't have to depend upon your daughter to take care of her. She is secure. She is secure. She can go visit the grandkids where she wants to, but she doesn't have to stay. Mm-hmm. And she can do whatever she wants financially. And big hugs all around. He said, thank you for coming. Two days later, he died. Mm-hmm. To me, that is always, and it's like, I've got chill bumps right now, about to cry. Just think about it. Those meetings, you know, I was just telling, uh, talking with a team yesterday, and, and recently, sadly, we've had some clients pass away. And um, I remember one day where I met with two husbands whose their their wives had passed away earlier this year. And, you know, it's 
it's a, those are tough meetings to have. You know, I know one of the things <clears throat> I got the tissue box out and we cried together. And, but I think it also shows how important the work that we do and how we help clients to be there for them in that part. And one of the things I was telling the team yesterday, it's a little bit of an aside, but as we have those situations, I want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to take all the financial pressure and stress off of that person. I want to see how much can we do to alleviate that part for them? Because they're already going through so much. So how can, how can we step in and do more to help them with that kind of stuff? And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do with some of that. Well, you're right about that. And I think, frankly, we all have to be reminded occasionally. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about dying, but you know, that's guaranteed to happen. You're, you're going to die. Now, the question is, what are you doing along the way to plan for that? So that if it's a car accident or heart attack, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then before we finish this, I want to circle back and talk about my situation. Some. Mm-hmm. That's probably not one of your questions, but I want to talk about that. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So I used to make that so mad when I was married. I'm divorced now, but. I would say once a year, we're going to talk about dying. <laughs> and I'd always do it somewhere within a week of my birthday, mm-hmm. December 9th. So why do you do this? Because we need to make sure that everything is in place, legal documents, life insurance, beneficiaries on retirement accounts, everything is just right because one of us could die. And I'd much rather talk about it one day out of the year instead of dwelling on it and being anxious and worry about it the other 364 days of the year. <laughs> right. Get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, if you, will, if you will do that, if you'll sit down with someone that you can trust, that will ask the tough questions, that won't give you lip service, that will look you right in the eye and say, bull crap, you're not doing what you said you wanted to do. Right. And then build a plan and then live the rest of the year mm-hmm. knowing that everything's in place. Okay. And I, I'm going to hit my situation real quick since we're on this topic. I have been diagnosed with cancer, colon cancer that has spread to my liver. So I am taking chemo treatments now and chemo pills. And depending upon who you listen to, life expectancy could be two to seven years, or it could be longer. Who knows? I have taken my own advice. Everything is in place. My life insurance beneficiaries, my legal documents, everything is in place that if I drop dead in mid-sentence, that my wishes are carried out down to having a written list who I want to get personal items. I took care of that. Most of it had already been done, but there was some tweaking to do. So I have a permission slip now to live my life at its fullest, April, whatever it is. I have no fear about it. I'm at peace. And I, my wish is that everyone that we work with, that we can get them there mm-hmm. at peace and then, get, then don't think about death anymore. Let's talk about the future. You know, like you and I were talking about our future last Tuesday, planning ahead. What are we going to do? Okay. And people say, well, when are you going to quit working? Uh, why would I do that <laughs> <laughs> if I enjoy doing what I'm doing? And that leads me to an, another story real quick. Okay. I, I'm going to use the first name, and I bet you know who it is. Our friend Steve mm-hmm. worked with the state, came in one day. He was frustrated. He was working with a gentleman that was just a pain in the butt. And he said, I wish I could retire. And I said, well, you can. No, I can't. And we were able, folks, to show him that he could absolutely retire that day if he wanted to and have the same income, if not more, by retiring. 
uh, and I coached him a little bit. He went back and he talked to his supervisor. Long story short, they worked out their differences because I told him, go back and tell him that you met with your advisor and you know for a fact you can retire and you want to let him know that you're on your way down to, to uh, human resources to put in your paperwork. And the guy just about had a heart attack. You can't do that. Please don't do that. Well, let's work on this relationship. And he worked, I think, another two years. I think it's around two years. But his entire work environment changed because he had the ability to walk away if he wanted to. Right. And I think if we can get every person just listening to us, working with us as uh, planners, if we can get you to the point where you have walk away money, walk mm-hmm. away power, your life will change. Mm-hmm. It will change. You know, I think um, you know what that reminds me of is he got to a point where he was working because he wanted to, not because he had to. Absolutely. Ooh, isn't that like a total mind shift? And you're working because you want to, not because you have to. I can't believe you just said that. When I was Rotary a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys came to me and said, are you still having to work? And I smiled again. No, I get to work. That's right. And I get to pick a new uh, choose who I work with. Mm-hmm. And I've narrowed it down to, to the days that I'm seeing clients, mm-hmm. Tuesday and Thursday. And if I'm, you know, if I need to on Wednesday, fine. Uh, but uh, back to my personal situation, chemo infusions are on Wednesdays, and then I take the pills during the week. So for 14 days on, then seven days off, and repeat, repeat. So uh, our game plan is be busy on Tuesday, rest up on Wednesday if I need to. But if I don't need the rest, come on in and do what I got to do. Okay. And then see class on Thursday. But I think we have a heck of a game plan and we have a good team around us to allow us to do the things that we need to do and want to do. You know, I think one of the things I love about our team here is uh, one of the clients that we work with, you know, I might be a little biased, but I think we have like the best clients. They're so, you know, they're just, I think I always think of like so many people walk in the door and a hug and a kiss and how are you and how's the grandkids? I'll interrupt a second. I remember you. You had not been here two weeks. <laughs> you came in and you said, John, what is up with all the hugs and the kisses? <laughs> Everybody comes in, a big old hug, big old kiss. You remember that? I do. And and I said, this is family. This That's is right. our family. And and you've experienced that. Yeah, we do. We, we definitely have a, a culture where we create this like family-like atmosphere and we really get to know our clients and they become you know friends and we get to celebrate together and we get to be there for each other also in those trying times too. Right. So talk a little bit about for you, when you think about like building trust and building those relationships with your clients, what do you think that you've approaches that you take to build those like strong trusting relationships over the years? One word, well, two words, be authentic, be yourself. There are times I'll say things I shouldn't say. You know, I was just thinking a moment ago, you made a comment about uh, clients we don't have any pitas, P-I-T-A. We don't have any people that are pain in the ass, okay? Right. Uh, we have good quality people who are loving, caring, and I think that people can tell if you're sincere or not. Mm-hmm. I, I know I can. I can tell if somebody's BSing me or if they're genuine. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I work hard at, I'm constantly reading and studying. I'm reading two books right now, simultaneously. So I read from... I read yesterday for about four hours. I'm sorry, Sunday, and then about three hours yesterday. There's just things that I want to know. And, and then I want to be able to share that with people. And it's uncanny how something I'm reading all of a sudden 
somebody would say something and I, because of that knowledge that I have either from the experience or reading or rereading, you know, like a, a book from 50 years ago. And all of a sudden I'm able to help people. And I think it's just being truthful. If you don't know the answer, say so. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. How important is it to you that we get that answer? Because if it's important, we'll work on it together. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I won't do, because I, I got burned on this one early in my career too, where I do all the work and the client poo-poos it like it wasn't important. But in the meeting together, it was very important. So I don't do that anymore. If you care enough about it, we're going to sit here and do it together. I'm not doing all the work while you walk away and play. It's a partnership. We do it together. And I think the way you build trust with anyone, whether it be business, personal relationships, you you just got to tell the truth Mm -hmm. and you got to be yourself. And sometimes they're not going to like who you are. Sometimes you're not going to like who you are, but be yourself. Mm -hmm. I was just having a conversation with a team yesterday and I posed the question to them about what are our values as a team? What are our values that we have not only with our clients, but, but also with ourselves as a team? And it was a great like exercise for us to go through. And uh, some of the top things that were coming up were like honesty, integrity, loyalty, right? These things that we want to like embody as a team and that we want to, you know, make sure and hopefully our clients feel that. And, and I think integrity kind of kept popping up in my head, but talking about the honesty part about being authentic. And it's not just for us about with clients, but also with ourselves, with each other, holding each other accountable. So making sure that if we say we're going to do something and we do it, and then if we drop the ball that we just own up to it, right? Like, Hey, I dropped the ball. I goofed this up. Right. It's on me. Right. I mean, I remember uh, years ago, a client called and was like, April, like, I'm waiting on you to send me this form or whatever it was. Like, why don't I have this yet? And I just apologize. I said, I'm sorry. You know what? It is. I literally have it written down here on my list of things to do. And I haven't done it yet. So apologize. I'm going to get this out to you right then. But to me, it was just important just to acknowledge, you know, I didn't have a reason. I didn't have an excuse, right? It's just, it hadn't happened yet. And he was like, oh, no problem. And super happy about it. Well, see, it wouldn't matter if you did have an excuse. Nobody wants to hear the excuse. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I'm frustrated with an organization right now. It's taken me three weeks to get something done. that should have been done in about three minutes. Right. And it was one excuse after another. And I, said, I don't want to hear that. Well, I've been busy. You know what? I'm busy too. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. We got something to do. Just, just tell the truth. You mm-hmm. screwed up. Just like, I dropped the ball. Yep. And then if you're going to give me hell for it, I'll just take the butt chewing. <laughs> And when you're done, I'll say, now, can you think of any other four-letter words you'd like to call me? Yeah. So let's get it out of the way and move on. <laughs> and move on. That's right. Let's move on. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, John, I'm going to kind of, we're going to start wrapping this up about our interview. This has been so great. And I know we could probably sit here for hours and go through and talk about these different things and give me some ideas, too, for our future podcasts. But. What words of encouragement or advice do you have for clients that could be feeling like uncertain? You know, we talked about earlier about how a lot of people may be feeling uncertain about where the economy is right now, what's going on with that. So, you know, for clients or people listening to this that might be feeling uncertain about their financial futures, because sometimes there is a lot of sca- a lot of scarcity and a lot of fear out there. What words of encouragement or advice do you have for them? Number one, just hang in there. Mm-hmm. Don't panic. Try, I like your phrase, you use a lot, uh, try to tune out all the noise. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of people trying to uh, push us in certain directions, pull us in certain directions, especially in the political world today. I've heard people say, well, it's the worst it's ever been. No, it's not. You go back and look out through history. You know, you had people having duels out in the yard shooting each other. <laughs> right. We haven't gotten there yet. No. <clears throat> and I would say just, number one, take the time to get your financial act together. And if you know it's not right, if you don't have a will, if you don't have a li- uh, living will, no power of attorney, all those legal documents, you don't have all your insurances in place properly, and you're not sure who the beneficiaries are of all of your stuff, sit down, come see us or see someone and get it done. And then live your life and save some money and at least get enough money where you know you can pay your bills for a few months if the world goes to hell in a handbasket. Right. And then have some for long term like we talked about and move forward. I think one of the worst things that someone can do is be like an ostrich and have their head stuck in the sand. And why would that be? <laughs> because this is what we see. We have clients or people come in and they're they're feeling scared. They're feeling uncertain. There's a lot of questions, and but they don't take the time to look at it. Right. So if you don't take the time to look at where you're at, what needs to be changed, what tweaks need to be made, are you on track, then of course you're going to have all this uncertainty, anxiety, and stress around it. But like, let's find shine some light on it, right? Let's, uh, let's open up the closet and turn the light on. Like it's not the scary boogeyman in there. I've always loved the concept of the ostrich with the head in the sand, because when you do that, your butt is exposed. (laughs) So so you have a choice to make. You can go through life blind like that, or you can get help. And I have coaches. I've had a lot of coaches throughout Mm -hmm. my career, a lot. And mentors who sat me down and would tell me the truth well, one of them just passed away a few months ago. He was like a big brother and a dad to me all in one. You know, uh, he didn't have to take. He was a competitor, a, a, an absolute competitor. He had no need to take me under his wing when I was 22, 23 years old. But he did. And I, I attempt to do the same thing with young associates. If I can coach them and help them. One of our colleagues asked me just today, he says, can I have a few minutes with you today? Somehow during the day, I'll get with him. So, but, but I, I think it's just a matter of, are you doing what you really enjoy doing in your work? So the encouragement would be, if you're stuck in a job you hate, try to fix that. Right. And the answer is not always running away. As you know, my favorite question for people about retirement, and they're talking about their future, is are you running to something or running away from something? Because if you're running away from something, you're probably going to find the same thing wherever you go. That's right. I'm thinking of two clients um, right now. So one, I remember when she first came in, she wasn't sure if she, well, I shouldn't say she shouldn't be sure if she was going to be a retired because her plan was to retire in like two years. But her question, her uncertainty was around, could she financially afford to retire? Would she get to that date two years from now and then have to go find a job somewhere. And she just really wasn't, uh, she hadn't taken the time to really look through everything to understand her numbers. And so we walked her through our planning process and walked her through what we call as a retirement rehearsal and kind of fast forwarded and showed her, if you were walking out the door today, here's what it's going to look like for you. And one, that's like the, you know, just so much fun for, for John and I to do that with clients. It's, it's great. It's great. To me, it's like this puzzle we get to put together. You know, we get to like throw all the financial pieces on the table and how do we put these together in the best way possible? 
But so we show her everything and we're getting ready to walk out that meeting. And she goes, April, this is the best meeting that we've ever had. And I can't believe what you've shown me. It looks way better than I ever could have imagined. But we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, people will come in. I can't do this. I can't do that. How do you know that? I, I don't know. Well, let's find out. Mm-hmm. Let's verify it. Mm-hmm. I love what President Reagan always said. Trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. And, and that, folks, you can do that with us. We're going to do it with you. You walk in the door and you say, well, I got $500,000 in my retirement account. Let's verify that. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the most recent statement. Mm-hmm. Not because we don't trust you, but because most people don't know what they've got. They don't. We uh, So uh, another client, she was just determined she wanted to retire as soon as possible. And I think it was like she wanted to retire in the next six months. And so, but she, again, also had not looked at her numbers. So we put the numbers together and show her retirement rehearsal. And it didn't look as great as she wanted it to, to look, right. right? So sometimes that happens. So we have this conversation. I said, well, isn't it better that we know that now? Isn't it better that we've shined some light on it and that we know where this is going to look like if you walked out the door today or you walked out the door six months from now? Now let's see, what does this look like? When could you realistically be able to retire? Okay, like if you continued working for some time to get, do you do all these things? We have a system in place for you. Um, You know exactly what you need to do between now and then. You have a game plan to get you there. Like, what does that look like? And so for her, it was about two years. And so when she saw that, she goes, oh, I can do that. I could do two more years. That's no problem. Because in her head, she didn't know. In her head, she wanted to leave now, but she was thinking it was going to be like another 10 years. Like she just wasn't sure what that was really going to look like for her. So for her, it was really fun too, because it's like, okay, maybe I can't walk out today, but what are all the things I need to do between now and then so I can walk out in two years and feel good about it right. and feel confident and know that I have a plan in place. So you, much different. You just reminded me of something I want to share real quick before we wrap up. <laughs> I remember one time I had to go from my lake house over to Quincy. And I got about five miles down the road and my neighbor called me and he said, John, are you aware that that little bridge over the creek, I think it's called Hamlet Creek, I'm not sure the name, that is out? I said, no, I did not know that. And he said, where are you now? And I said, I'm just about to get on Highway 267. He said, don't do it. You're going to get backed up. So I made a U-turn. And I've thought about it so many times, like you said, about when do you want to know something's not right? Mm -hmm. Now, I could have driven all the way there just to look at a bridge being gone. Right. But if I if my time's important to me, I would have driven that 15 miles. I'd have been stuck and have to find a way to turn on and get back. That's mm-hmm. 15 miles back. And I've wasted my time. Now, if I just really want to see a bridge falling down, I guess that'd be worth my time. So when do you want to know if something's not working? I want to know now. If something is about to explode in front of me, I want to know about it. And I can make a choice. I'm a big boy. I can make a decision. Okay, either I stay the course and I won't like it, or I can make a change. Maybe it's a U-turn. Maybe I park the car and I run and jump over the creek. I don't know. (laughs) But at least I have my options in front of me. So, John, in closing, uh, could you summarize what are some core reasons why working with an advisor is essential for our clients, especially for them to have success when it comes to their money? Now, this is one of the questions that you told me was coming, so I'm ready for you <laughs> on this one. You see this bottle? Mm-hmm. You see that label on that bottle? I do. What does it say? Gatorade. Gatorade. Specifically, it says zero sugar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 
you can read that label. But if you are inside that bottle, can you read that label? No. I'm looking inside here. I would not be able, if I were inside that bottle, that big old giant bottle would hold a six foot, 218 pound guy. <laughs> so my point of that is you rarely, whether it be you, me, in our own situation, rarely can you see everything clearly by yourself. That's why professional athletes have coaches, whether it be golf, tennis, they got coaches. The world's best always have coaches around them to get better and better because the coach will see something they can't see. And I love the concept. I wish I could remember who told me this 30, 40 years ago about when you're in the bottle, you cannot read the label. And I've remembered that. And I keep bottles handy. You'll look around the room. I have all kinds of little things here for, for memory items. That, that's number one. Also, you don't know what you don't know. That's true for all of us. You know, sometimes people say, well, I know that. Well, I, I get it that you know that, but you're not doing that. And the most dangerous words in English language are, I know that. Because the moment you say, I know that, you shut down your ability to learn. I'd rather say, you know what? I thought I knew that. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me hear your side of it. I've heard you say I, countless times of you've seen one plan, maybe two, you know, yours and maybe you helped somebody. Or we've seen hundreds, if not thousands. We've seen thousands. Right. And so that experience of being able to see, I know what that looks like. I know what this is. I can tell, I can, I had a client the other day, I was telling them like, I can, I can see your future so clearly. If you do these things, I can see it, but it's hard if you don't have that experience. So you have an advantage. Like I did when I was younger, I was working with people in their seventies, eighties and nineties. And when I was in my thirties. Because I remember clearly in 1983, I said, what do I really want to do when it comes to client planning? And I determined at that point I was going to work on and I created the secure retirement method because I wanted to focus on retirement planning. That's what I did. And what you can do at age 39, you can see things that someone who is 69 or 70 can't see yet. Right. Because not because you've experienced it personally, but because you've been with clients who've gone through that. Mm -hmm. At your age, you know more about Medicare <laughs> and Social Security than the people that are turning Medicare and Social Security age. Probably more than I want to know. Probably. <laughs> but why did you learn it? You had to learn it yeah. in order to take care of our clients. That's right. Otherwise, they would be left to do it on their own. Okay. And we brought value to the table. Mm -hmm. And every time you bring value, you will be compensated in some way, which is another lesson I want to end with. You cannot, well, you can, you can be a dummy and sit there and say, hey, I won't value, but I'm not going to put any effort in. doesn't work. Right. You got to do your part. So if, if for those who are listening, if you come sit with us, we're going to challenge you. It'll be fun. Just like we, we laugh and chuckle and sometimes cry, mm -hmm. uh, but we have a good time and enjoy life. Got to get the job done, but you also got to enjoy it. That's right. Well, John, I want to say thank you. This has been great. I think we could sit here and go through and talk about this for hours. Um, and like I said earlier, you, I was jotting down some ideas for us to share on future podcasts. I want to end with something here. I, just, I should have said it earlier. When I've shared my personal story, I'm adamant about this. When I had my amputation, I had three occasions where I was lying in a hospital bed, middle of the night, and all of a sudden I just felt this rush of energy, rush of energy. There was so much love, people thinking about me, praying for me. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I'm, I'm not sharing the story because I want people to say, oh, poor John, or oh my God, that's horrible. Don't even think that. Mm-hmm. It's not horrible. It's not bad. It's, it's just part of life. Move on. Mm-hmm. But, but I share that because I do know that a lot of people that I know are going to hear this, and I can't get to everybody personally, so please uh, keep keep that part of my world in your thoughts and prayers, and come in and let's go to work, and you'll get 100% of what I got <laughs> and the team. Right. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, for, for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Talk soon. Thanks, April. Bye-bye. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. If you would like additional information about our services, you can visit our website at currysheownfinancial.com or you can call our office at 850-562-3000. Again, that number is 850-562-3000. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. April and John are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Address 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, zip code 32311. Phone number 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA and SIPC. April is a financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. 2023-160472 expires October 2025.